0: the Cyber Briefing. So my name's uh, Robert Young. I'm a professor of quantum technology here at Lancaster University. Quantum technology, what what is it? Yeah, that's a really good question and it's not a simple answer really. So quantum technology is a technology whose behaviour is underpinned by quantum physics. So we're actually embracing the odd behaviour of fundamental particles of electrons, photons, uh, uh, that happens at those uh, fundamental scales that doesn't uh, typically happen, it happen in classical devices. So it's a, it's a paradigm shift, it's a revolution, so it's similar to the digital revolution, you know, 50 years ago, 70 years ago, now we're uh, witnessing a quantum revolution of devices which employ quantum effects, so really, really cool. When people think of quantum technologies, they normally think of quantum computers. So a quantum computer is uh, an analog to a classical computer, apart from it can solve certain problems exponentially faster than a classical computer could. So if you're playing chess, for example, a classical computer has to think about each move uh, uh, in, in one go, where a quantum computer could potentially uh, witness all possible options of every move all at once. So it could speed up the, the, the time in which we could solve uh, certain problems. Then we have quantum communications. So quantum communications aims to uh, have provably secure communications. So Uh, When we're communicating on the internet at the moment, for example, or in public, um, we use public key cryptography, so we're relying on complicated maths, so the idea that it's easier to uh, multiply prime numbers together than it is to factorise a large number into its prime uh, factors. and the problem with that of course is that as computers get better those kind of problems get uh, solvable and uh, quantum communications is provably uh, secure so it doesn't use complicated maths it uses fundamental laws of physics to prove the uh, complexity or the security of the communications then we have things like quantum sensors so quantum sensor it aims to be Uh, Better than any classical sensor could be. So, to sense a magnetic field, or to be able to time something, or to be able to detect uh, electronic charge, or uh, things like this, properties which uh, a classical sensor could could not do. And there are lots of applications for those things. So, uh, quantum technology is really, really broad, but my area of expertise is in uh, secure communications and, and security in general. So, I'm really excited and interested in how quantum technologies can completely revolutionize the way we keep our lives secure. Because uh, I think it's one of the biggest problems in the world today, that digital communications uh, are so riddled with security flaws. Um, there's a beautiful website, well, literally beautiful, informationisbeautiful, I think, .com, um, which has a, a, a fantastic diagram. They, they basically... Um, uh, Record all possible, uh, or, or every major security breach, every database breach, and you can see that the problems are just getting worse. The the severity and the impact of database breaches are just getting worse. So I think, you know, the the uh, task of keeping digital communication secure is one of the biggest challenges facing our lives at the moment. And so to have a completely revolutionary solution to that problem is something that really excites me, and that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. Sounds pretty.
1: I mean, it also sounds quite quite sort of sad that, you know, as soon as you kind of master something in terms of making something secure for your phone, for example, your iPhone sat on the desk there, that somebody else out there is thinking, ah, there's a way I can get into that, you know. so it's obviously a a shame that people work that way, but I guess that's always been how how life has been.
0: And it's one of the biggest challenges, actually. So um, if we think about the information security, not just in the last 50 years, but in the last hundreds, even thousands of years, it's always been a game of cat and mouse. So the good guys have invented a way to keep something secure, and then as soon as the bad guys found out how it works, it's a case of reverse engineering it and finding out some way to, to do it as efficiently as, as the good guys can. And it's and it's always been the case. We've there have always been ways of working around uh, solutions that we, we implement. And that's where quantum communications, quantum security come in, because it breaks that cycle. It's no longer a game of cat and mouse. We can say, Uh, you know, deterministically, it's not possible to crack this because the fundamental laws of physics say it's not possible. And if we prove those fundamental laws wrong, if there's something underneath quantum mechanics, then we get a Nobel Prize for discovering some new physics. So we win either way. The Cyber Briefing. A podcast from
1: Lancaster University Security and Protection Science.
0: Uh, and there are some unintended consequences to, to raising that bar. So as the bar has got higher and higher and higher and systems have got more convoluted and more complex, then it turns out that actually the security of the system isn't the problem, it's the implementation. and it, And it's flaws in the way that systems have been implemented that actually lead to a lot of the security breaches. Uh, and that's another nice thing about uh, you know, quantum security, is it's, it's actually fundamentally really simple. It's really straightforward. Um, now, there might be some engineering challenges in terms of implementing it, um, but, but actually the, the, the code, the, the, the infrastructure is really simple, and that, that's really nice.
1: And I guess the fact is that it affects all our lives as well, from the phone on your desk to the kit that I'm recording this this conversation on. You know, everything to some extent is affected by yeah. Yeah, the, the digital, certainly, but also you know the chance that things could go wrong or could be
0: infected or I would say that's the primary motivating factor for me. I love the idea that I can change the world in some way and make it a better place. I think I'm quite unusual as physicists go. I think you know, obviously I'm a, I'm a physics professor or a professor in working in the physics department. And physicists are often motivated by discovering fundamental things or making a new discovery and I, I like that aspect of, of physics but I love the idea that we're inventing new things and that those inventions are making their way out into the real world and in the near term as well. We already have uh, products which are uh, entering markets uh, at the moment. So so what I have in my hand is uh, one of our uh, first products to market. This is we, we call this QID, so quantum identity, and the idea is to tackle the problem of counterfeiting. So we're talking about uh, cat and mouse and there's no, um, uh, no better example of cat-and-mouse technologies than anti-counterfeiting technologies. So consumer buys an item, they want to know if the item they have is genuine or not, and actually, uh, currently, there is really no way for a, a consumer to know whether something they buy is genuine or not, other than buying it from a store that looks particularly reputable. Um, you know, we're used to seeing things like holograms, but um, the bad guys can make holograms that look just as good as the good guys' holograms. And if you can't get them in a lab underneath an electron microscope, you never tell the difference between the two. And in fact, often the anti-counterfeiting uh, companies can't tell the difference between uh, uh, products which have, have, have been counterfeited and not. And in some examples, you might think, well, it's a bit frivolous. What does it matter if this item is counterfeit or not? If it's a sports jersey and it looks as good as the real thing? Well, there are um, subtle problems there. I mean, obviously, you know, the the fake was probably made in some sweatshop. People were probably being exploited. Lives were probably being ruined. Um, But of course, there are markets where it's really important. And pharmaceuticals, for example, is one that we're really interested in. Millions of people die every year because they consume fake pharmaceuticals. Um, So they'll take something that looks genuine, doesn't have an active ingredient in it and so it doesn't cure their disease. Uh, And of course it has huge commercial impact as well, so you know, billions and billions, hundreds of billions of dollars a year are lost to uh, counterfeiting just in the pharmaceutical space alone. Um, So gigantic problem and QID, um, so this this product we have uh, aims to tackle that and the idea is basically to um, tag every product at the atomic scale, the nanoscale. Using a simple quantum technology. So, I have in front of me some labels which have been produced with a spin out company from Lancaster University, Quantum Base. And when you first look at it, the first thing you might notice is a QR code. But actually, the QR code isn't isn't the interesting element on the device. It's a pink square, and the pink square is a a square of a quantum material. So it's made up of uh, essentially molecules, which are small at the uh, nanometer scale. And natural imperfections in these materials, when they're printed, give each uh, tag a unique identity. And this is read with a standard smartphone. So um, any, any smartphone essentially with a flash and a camera can read this technology and so now we're empowering uh, uh, brand owners and, counterfeit, uh, and anti-counterfeit uh, producing companies to basically label products in the billions, in the tens of billions, with these technologies, at almost no cost. And anybody who has access to a smartphone camera can now verify the, the products that they're, they're purchasing. So it's a real win-win. It, it's hopefully beneficial to absolutely everybody and it has very, very little cost, which is, which is really exciting.
1: I was gonna ask you that, surely big by making something more secure so if like putting a tag on something, there's a cost. Therefore, you know, the consumer ends up paying for trying to make sure, you know, trying to mitigate against a you know, future counterfeiters. But from what you're saying the technology exists that it means you can do it very, very cheaply.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we spent a lot of time actually working with the printing companies. So we develop uh, new inks rather than changing the printing process. So rather than saying, you, know, you need to knock down your factory or, or buy a whole new set of uh, printing tools, we just say, give us your ink, we add our quantum material to it, we do some engineering, make sure uh, things work, and then we're not disrupting that manufacturing process. And then this tag is just as cheap to produce as any, any kind of paper label, uh, essentially. And it's a lot cheaper than some of the more um, elaborate, but not very good, existing anti-counterfeiting technologies. Even something as simple as a hologram costs 10 times more than a QID to, to fabricate. So um, in many cases, it should be a cost saving. The Cyber Briefing. What about the let the shell
1: fly, though, or something like that? Because there's somebody, as we speak, you say it's cat and mouse. So yeah. presumably somebody's already trying to work out how to, you know, to make that not work in future.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a really, really good question. And this is actually something that, um, I mean, it's part of the reason for pursuing this technology. This is this is provably secure. So we can quantify how difficult it is for uh, the bad guys to reproduce one of our tags. So our tags are fundamentally unique at the atomic scale. Each tag here has something like 10 times the 15, so a 1,000 million million atoms in it, and with the current best technology re-engineering another tag which had all the atoms in the same place and would produce the same uh, response to the challenge would take longer than the age of the universe. And we actually have one of those tools here down in, down, down in Isolab. Um, and that would just be uh, producing a single uh, fake tack, not, not, not a whole series, not the billions you would need to actually you know, have, a, have a successful uh, you know, counterfeiting uh, operation. So, so no, we, we think we can break that cycle um, indefinitely. As long as a uh, technology isn't, isn't invented that allows uh, you know, things at the atomic scale to be easily engineered in very, very large volumes, And of course, if it could, then that would open up loads of other possibilities. And and I would welcome that, (laughs) but but that seems like a, a very long way away.
1: And looking back to when we started this project way, way back, I mean, did you think you'd ever get to the stage where you, what you've just said is, is actually in your hand? Do you have something that's virtually un, un, uncounterfeitable?
0: I, I would I would almost say it's the other way around. Uh, you know, when you invent something, you always think, oh, this, this, this is really simple. This is really easy. I've come up with this really clever idea. This is brilliant. Uh, now, you know, six months' time, we'll sell it to a company and somebody will implement it. And and it's almost the opposite way around. You have a good idea and then you have to prototype it. Then you have to demonstrate it. Then you have to beat people over the head with it and show them how good it is then you have to find some funding to actually you know uh, uh, show people how to implement it in their factory then you have to win commercial deals and it turns out to be 10 times longer than you originally said so so yeah it's frustrating how long it takes to implement something especially when it's it's got such a clear benefit and and when the incumbent solutions are are, you know really awful in many, many in many cases yeah
1: and here at Lancaster, the fact that you're part of a team now, I mean, a loose team, you know, looking all kinds of aspects of, of, of academia that were all aimed at you know at cyber, this this you know, kind of um, image and, and this and this space that you know is so important now. For, whether it's a linguistic perspective or a science perspective, as well the fact that you're all on this one campus site, you know, you can all help each other, you can all contribute towards something which will help us. Members of the public in, in the future It's, it's quite a new, unique position to be into where you have all these different, disparate groups of people.
0: Yeah, I, I mean I tell this story quite often. Um, so I, I, I came from Cambridge. I was in Cambridge for six years. I did my PhD there. Worked worked there post PhD, and it was the most frustrating uh, environment to be in because people didn't work with each other. There was so much competition between research groups. You had three research groups in physics, for example, all working on the same topic, and nobody was allowed to talk to anybody else because they were all working with different giant Japanese companies Um, and that was incredibly frustrating and we have exactly the opposite environment here we have this really friendly environment where people from different disciplines work with each other Uh, obviously you know Security Lancaster really embodies that and I think it's brilliant we have this closed ecosystem where um, you can go from you know something that's really conceptual to uh, making it to testing it to putting in a test bed to implementing it to working with some of our you know very close uh, you know commercial partners um, and I think that speeds up the you know the commercialization process and the the delivery process an awful lot and i think I think that 's absolutely brilliant and then there's a science answer to this as well, which, you know, the interesting science always happens at the interface between disciplines. It always happens where you're not expecting it. You know, if, if, if what you're doing is working on a core idea that's been worked on for the last hundred years, the chance of you actually making a significant difference is really small. But if you take a bit of physics and a bit of engineering and a bit of maths and a bit of computing and some psychology, then you can really, you know, drive a completely new field. And that's what you're seeing here. We, we do an awful lot of very exciting, novel, interesting work because we mix those
1: disciplines yeah. The Cyber Briefing a podcast from Lancaster University's Security and Protection Science.
0: And what's the future? I I almost didn't ask, but
1: what's coming next then?
0: Well, from me specifically, I'm as I said, I'm a megalomaniac. I want to change the world. So we don't see a a single technology. So I think QID is really important. It could be a game changer for anti-counterfeiting. But cybersecurity is more than just anti-counterfeiting. There's the electronic side of cybersecurity as well. So how do we keep our electronic communications secure? So we've already developed a whole suite of different electronic components which work on similar principles that have Provable security, so provable uh, generation of random numbers, Uh, well, as as provable as that can get, actually there's some nuance nuance there, uh, or identifying electronic devices at the atomic scale, but from uh, essentially imperfections in the silicon. Uh, And then combining these different components together so you have provably secure uh, ecosystems. So you can have something where you can identify uh, individual electronic devices, Internet of Things devices, for example, um, connect them all together in uh, Quantum networks, hopefully in the future, and you could have a, a, a provably secure ecosystem. So. I, I really like the idea of looking for problems. So, you know, you solve one problem, but security is a chain. It's the weakest link in the chain, which is the important one. Uh, and so we go looking for the next weakest link in the chain um, until we've taken the whole world over. <laughs> That's my plan anyway.
1: So your job is never done. You're always looking for a problem to solve. Yeah,
0: ex- exactly, exactly. I mean, it's funny. When I was little, if you'd asked me what I wanted to do when I grow up, I, I would have said I want to be an inventor. Uh, you know, and I, I would have envisaged some shed with, you know, some equipment inside and explosions happening on a regular basis and I think it's it, what, what I do is kind of the the realistic uh, you know interpretation of that and I absolutely love it you know I love getting out of bed in the morning coming to work uh, playing in the labs uh, inventing things and yeah it's 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 great fun And for students
1: think of going to this area of, of expertise I mean listen to this maybe what would you say to them what's the what's the what's the benefit to them
0: well, I, I, I don't know. I, I would say always follow your passion. So I, I mean, the, the reason the reason I'm a happy, happy person and successful person is that I, I really enjoy what I'm doing. And I don't think you should be forced into a box. I think you should always be you know, following things that you enjoy doing. And it's really important not to give up. Um, but I, I realize not everybody gets to do that either. So I, I feel very lucky uh, that I've had the opportunities that I've had that allowed me to, to follow, follow my passion. Um, but I, I think in general, the field of quantum technologies is an incredibly important one. And, you know, obviously cybersecurity is one, one, uh, application of those. But if you think, you know, if you go back 80 years where digital technology was, um, I think nobody would have had any idea where it was going to go in the future, and we're we're a little bit in in that phase with quantum technologies. We've got some ideas of how it can change our lives. Um, quantum computers could t- discover new drugs. and the idea of designing drugs to you know s- uh, cure some of the world's worst diseases is absolutely phenomenally important. But there, there are all sorts of uh, you know peripheral technologies which we we can't envisage yet so I think learning the basics of you know uh, quantum technologies these kind of fields and then following passions is that's that's what encouraged the the next generation of of students that are interested in STEM uh, to to do because I think it will will be a you know completely revolutionary new field and and yeah really excited. The Cyber Briefing a podcast from Lancaster University's Security and Protection Science.